He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. What's up, everybody? Your host, Will Slickers here. I'm so sorry for the delay on this bonus episode. Plus, I also know I've thrown a lot of content at you guys this week, uh, but I've also been a little bit under the weather this weekend and didn't get this episode out when I wanted to. Um, So just apologize in advance for that. But be ready for a lot of content to come out from Slick Talk as well as the Hospitality.fm network. If you haven't already subscribed to our newsletter or joined us on the website, um, you can find all of the podcasts that we are producing and working with. Uh, We have about 30 shows signed. Not all of them are on the website, but we have a lot of cool changes coming. Um, So this episode is a bonus episode with Chris Adams, who is a previous guest from Slick Talk. And if you haven't heard that episode, I'm going to make sure to tag it in the show notes. Definitely give it a listen. It was one of my favorites I've done probably in the last year or so. Um, But Chris really brings a new and challenging perspective for me because as a media person, sometimes I see things differently. And to hear some of the content and the comments he made really made me think differently and understand how things are really going. And it was really cool. So thankful for Chris Adams, who is one of the co-founders of the Ellis Adams group uh, to join me on the Spotify live in our series of the industry from our perspectives. Big shout out to all of our sponsors that make this podcast possible. And I'm super, super excited for all of you to listen. So thanks again and enjoy the episode. You're listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, a podcast for those who are in and around the hospitality industry who love, live, and breathe what they do. You can join us for candid and unscripted conversations with hospitality experts and founders as we go deeper into their personal stories while they're sharing their triumphs and trials that got them to where they are today. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and you're listening to an episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, let's begin. This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully, and if you're a property manager anywhere in the country, then you definitely need to look at joining Hostfully for their property management software or their digital guidebooks, because we all know that streamlining your operations as a property management company or a host can be super difficult and time-consuming, and this is the tool that helps you take care of that and earn back time from your day and to actually have a life. So if you haven't already, go to Hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 and make sure that you have that ready to go because it will be a game changer for you. So go ahead, go to the link in the show notes, hostfully.com, use code SLICKTALK20 and enjoy having some time back in your life. And now back to the episode. All right, everybody, we are back with a Spotify live series. I'm their host, Will Slickers, who is the host of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. And I'm joined by a good friend who is a previous podcast guest, Chris Adams. Welcome, my friend. Good to see you again. Man, excited to be here. It's my first time on Spotify live. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm trying to get 
handle this, trying to figure it out. <laughs> uh, trust me, this is my second time. So it's going to either be really good or really brutal for the learning <laughs> curve. We'll find out. Um, but really excited to have you on and thank you for of, you know taking the faith and the trust of joining me on a Spotify Live. Um, you know, I was an early adopter with Clubhouse, but um, as a, much of a big fanboy I am for Spotify, I just had to move over to this platform and see what the hype was about. But for anyone who's listening to the replay or maybe even joining us live here in a bit, um, do you want to give us a quick background and intro to yourself for maybe those who maybe haven't heard your episode on Slick Talk? Yeah, of course. You know, I am, um, our whole company is focused on the hospitality industry. Um, really from a, really the luxury lifestyle segment is, I guess you would say our, um, our bread and butter, it's our forte, my background. I started with Rich Carlton hotels and, um, that was really the, it created the foundation, I guess, for how my company has been built. Um, and 20 years later, uh, we're continuing to, to push, um, push the envelope and, and kind of do things outside the box. And we're really, a an, all-encompassing in, firm that does everything from concept development and the design side all the way down to um, boots on the ground and really space activation and, and helping clients storytell, right? How, how do we take their, their message and, and make sure that we're, we're putting the right narrative around it and bringing it to life and activating it and creating those moments and experiences for, for their guest. And that's a, uh, it's our, our 22nd, I guess you can say, uh, snapshot of, of who we are. So you guys do also not just come up with the concepts, the design, the branding, but you also get the operations in play. Yeah. And I think that's been, it's been a huge win for us. Um, you know, there's so many amazing designers out there that design gorgeous projects. Um, and I think the one thing that sets us apart is the fact that we have a, a entire division of our company that are operators and they come from the operation. And so when we design, we get our operators involved in that process to really make sure that we're not just designing from, from an aesthetic standpoint, but are we making sure that functionally um, our clients are able to drive revenue and, and create those moments for guests? There's nothing worse than getting into a beautiful space and, you know, it's tough to do your job in it. And so I think that's one of the things that's really helped set us apart uh, from design and then combining the operations piece. I love that. And you would think that would be something that would probably be more adapted or adopted in the, in the space. Uh, I remember just like a, a funny side story is that we were um, going through this like remodel with this. Uh, I think it was 10,000 square foot type castle property on the lake. And, uh, the big thing is that the the owner was all excited about this design work and the 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 type of amenities and the kitchen appliances and the way they were flowing it was like oh my gosh this is going to be so much pain for the guests because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense um great idea great inspiration which we were able to take uh, but from the operation standpoint we're like man housekeeping is going to have a uh, a hassle with this the guest is going to be uncomfortable um so it's really cool to see that you guys can take that creativity and then power it with legit operation input. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge win, man. And I'm, it's funny when you start thinking about what's going on in our industry right now, these little details of you just said, you know, housekeeping is going to hate this or this is going to be a real struggle for the operations team. I mean, that has to play into the fact that we're continuing to struggle from a labor standpoint. 
and those little things add up to big things. And, and so, you know, we really push hard and, and, and believe that even all the way down to coming up with these designs and how they're designed makes it a better work environment um, for our operation teams, which hopefully is one more piece of the puzzle that they need to, to keep them engaged. Um, there's a lot more that's going to that's going to be needed, but um, it, it's one more thing that hopefully is an added value uh, to help keep people and um, enjoy what they're doing and, and stay passionate about it. I love that. And I guess a random question that just kind of comes to mind, though, is, is there a perfect balance of design and operational workflow, you know, compatibility with the property when it comes to like cleaning surfaces or the flooring or the placement of furniture or design when it comes to maybe an island table or whatever they may that may be? Uh, Is there a perfect balance for that at all? Or have you have you seen an example of a perfect balance? Yeah, I mean, I think we we all strive for it. I always say anytime we design something, it's if you've ever built a house um, and you had the opportunity to kind of design it yourself um, in some form or fashion, and you think you're designing your dream home, and then you get in there and realize, damn it, I I wish I would have put a closet here. I wish I would have expanded this to the other side. So I don't think there's, I don't think you'll ever find a time where something's perfect, but I think that we definitely strive to, um, strive to find that balance between making sure that it's visually aesthetically telling the story for the guest, but just you're able to actually activate and you're, you're able to functionally operate your operation um, at a high level, super efficient. um, That's creating amazing moments for your guest. And we have to think about that from a design perspective. Otherwise we completely miss the mark. And then, you know, you see these places that, you win an award in a magazine because it looks great, but it's just brutal to actually operate it. And and finding that balance between the two is, is crucial. 100%. And you've mentioned a couple of things so far um, that have actually kind of brought another story from uh, kind of some past work experience for me. And you, you mentioned storytelling. And I think storytelling is really important uh, from the guest perspective but I remember an operator that I worked for right when I moved to the Oregon coast uh, was just leaving my, you know, uh, entry position as a front desk agent to become supervisor, manager, all the, all the above. And the ability that they had to, you know, storytell, not just to the guest, but to the, the staff, they told the story so well of the business and the brand and the concept and the mission uh, that every staff member was able to, authentically and passionately pass that story down to their guests that they were serving and it made it way more exciting way more fun so i think um just from my understanding because we're going to get into the labor sort you know shortage and kind of going into talking about you know retention and, and growth and investment to the future but um you know that's one big thing is if you can start to the storytell to the guests then you should also be storytelling to your your staff and your team because they're going to carry that passionately through well, I mean, the reality is our, our teams are the ones that have to be telling the story. The owner that knows the story, that's great and all, but they're not touching the guest. I mean, the reality is I need my front desk agent. I need my concierge. I need my host and, and all of my team on the floor to be able to convey that message and that story um, literally probably better than the owner can. And, you know, many times that's the missed, that's the missed piece, I guess you would say. 
um, that doesn't happen and the guests feel the effects of it. So, you know, somewhere there's a really cool concept narrative on it in a deck somewhere that's been floating around between design firm, branding and ownership group. But are we really conveying that message to our teams so they're able to translate it into you know, the way that they would describe it to make sure, I mean, how many times have we gone to a place and you ask the front desk or you ask somebody about the restaurant in a hotel, let's say, and by the time you get to the, to the restaurant itself, you've heard it was Mediterranean. You heard it was a seafood restaurant. You heard it was a state. I mean, you get 30 different interpretations of what this restaurant is because no one really knows what the story is and no one's conveyed that to them. So they're creating their own narrative and that's, that's a tough place to be. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, well, let's getting into you know concepts and buildings um, that you and your team have done. Um, what? How many? Since our last episode together, how many brands have you guys opened up this year? Um, let's maybe even twenty twenty one, and then the start to twenty twenty two. If you're if you're able to separate the the, the dates, um, we have done first quarter this year. Oh, I mean, over fifty projects um, that we've open, activated, remodeled something in some form or fashion, definitely over 50. Wow. So with that, when it comes to the the state of the industry from our eyes, right, this is kind of the the theme of the conversation. Um, Have things recovered or gotten better now that most places are open and have less limiting restrictions and mandates, uh, especially maybe through the, that current 50 that you just mentioned. Um, how has that been when it comes to actual occupancy and revenue and actual guest experience and moments for your, for your team? Uh, it's different. You know, um, I, I think the biggest struggle now is, yeah, things have opened back up, which is it's great, right? That means that prayerfully we're on the other side of this pandemic the the bad part the struggle part is um we got guests that are that are chomping at the bit to to come and enjoy and 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 you know be at our locations do we have team members that can take care of them and you know when we the team members that we have are they are they too stretched um, are they having to do too much? Are we able to open all of our operations? I mean, I know hotels that we're dealing with where they've got multiple outlets on property and they're running 80, 90, 100% occupancy, yet they can't open all their outlets because they just don't have the team members to do it. So now the guests are coming saying, man, we're, we're here. We want to spend money, but we don't have the ability to create that experience for them that they're expecting, um, especially at the rates that they're paying. I mean, I'll be honest with you, the rates that, that our guests are paying are higher than pre-pandemic. Um, the ADRs are higher. The, the cost of goods are higher, which means that that translates to our <clears throat> restaurant and bar operations. So uh, the price has gone up on everything, yet it's really difficult to deliver an elevated experience at the same time. So it's a, it's, it's a massive disconnect. So, you know, has it gotten better? Yeah, things have gotten better from the standpoint that, you know, a lot of the brick were not as... Um, you know, what's the word? They, they pulled back on the things that we can't do. Um, so, you know, mandates and mass mandates and all these things. But I don't know that it's gotten any better from a guest perspective. Um, and at the properties, it, it, it's a struggle right now on figuring out how to take care of these guests that are coming out that, that want to be at our hotels. Well, 100% agreed. And this is kind of something that we talked about uh, on the first Spotify live. Um, I don't know if you know, uh, Steve Turk, he's, he's based out in Miami, but, um, been connected with the Lowe's hotel and all this other stuff. 
Um, and the big thing is that we're seeing, you know, these crazy rates, this crazy amount of, for, especially for a room, you know, granted, I understand there's service behind it, um, but we've just been seeing some crazy numbers. People are paying it, but I, I loved your Forbes article. Maybe we can just skip to that kind of um, talking point, but your Forbes article about, you know, um, you know, what needs, how does the industry, a worldwide industry pivot and change? And um, right now with the, I guess, can I ask you for, with these types of properties, I know your, your luxury brand is, is exactly kind of where you guys are, are honing in. Um, but how, how are some different ways for these operators with the lack of staff to continue to provide that service, especially with those increasingly high rates? Obviously, if there's not as much staff, but the rates are high, then that must mean the profit must be higher unless they're refunding like crazy because of the lack of uh, staffing and guests, you know, having complaints. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, is there anything like standing out from an operations perspective to kind of help this? You know, there's a few things. <clears throat> One is I think owners are still trying to recover, right? So when you say their profits are higher, I, yeah, the margins might be better but all they're trying to do is recover from the past two years. Right. So it's not like they're just making tons of money and, you know, living the good life necessarily. It's how do we recover what happened over the past two years? On the flip side, what you were just saying is how do we, how do we think differently? Right. The reality is we have guests that are wanting these experiences. They're coming out to enjoy these properties, but we don't have the teams to do it. So what do we do? And, you know, I think that's the biggest struggle that properties have right now is their ability. And the bigger, the bigger you get, the tougher it is to, to kind of transition quickly. Right. And I I think that's what the struggle is right now is their ability to, to think outside the box and look for new ways of doing things that might be more efficient. It might take less labor to get it done. It might be different. It might be, you know, that, that learning curve might be a struggle on the front end, but it's going to help you in the long run. And I think that's where the, the challenge is right now is the ability to stop saying that's how we've always done it to really transition to this is, this is the, this is new. It's an, and I hate using new norm, but what are we doing differently to make sure that we're meeting our guests where they're at based on the situation that we're currently in. And I think that is a big struggle with our properties right now. And when we find out when we start digging into that and, and we'll, you know, we have these conversations of what are we going to do? You know, how do we, how do we get people to come back to the industry? How do we get, you know, how do we find more staff? I, I continue to beat the drum of, are we, are we really focusing our attention on the culture that we're establishing within our hotels you know i look at brands like marriott Ritz carlton that have an amazing culture right but i need to make sure that that culture is funneling down to a property level you know if you ever get the opportunity to to have conversations with a a mr marriott or now david actually has just taken over as chairman or tony capuana the ceo i mean they're just they're inspiring individuals to be around the culture that that they have established that they put forth is is phenomenal but how are we making sure that that is trickling down all the way to a property level so that that culture, that foundation is in place to make people want to be a part of it? I think too many times right now, we are hiring like crazy to get us through the day. And all we're doing is getting back in this repetitive cycle 
of the same challenges that we've had before, which got us into kind of the mess that we're in now from our teams realizing that, do they really care about my future? Are they, do they sincerely care about where I'm going to be in five years, seven years, 10 years, 20 years, or am I a body that's filling a void that they have at this exact moment? And that's why I'm here. And I think that that is a, is a, it's a tough place because there's a massive need right now, right? And we can't look past that. But I think that the team members that we're hoping come back are looking at us going, I need you to care. I need to know that there's a, there is culture here. I need to know that you're not just thinking about today. You're thinking about the next five, seven, 10 years of my progression. Where am I going? One of the things that are, that are important to me is that something that's also important to you. And so I can't, I can't press enough and to say that the culture that you establish at your company and your organization or your hotel or your restaurant or your bar or whatever it is that you're, you're managing or leading is vitally important in your ability to get people to want to be a part of your team, to have longevity with them and continue to build that brand that you're trying to establish. 100%. And how do you, so how do you balance that? Because it is a give and take, right? Like as an employer or as a brand, you're giving and giving and giving, you're giving resources, you're giving time, you're giving money, hopefully mentorship, hopefully, like you said, that let's look at the next five, seven, 10 years of your career and map out what does this look like? Is that here? Is that, you know, getting you different departments? Is that getting you all this other stuff? Is this giving, you know, sending you to a hospitality school or some online course or certification of some sort? Um, There's a lot of give. And I feel like, you know, maybe with this whole shift uh, and, and grant, like to give it some context, I think when COVID hit, and everyone was doing the two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Like, oh, two weeks off, like, that's fine with me. And that two weeks kept getting extended and extended and extended. <laughs> it turned into the, like, oh, my gosh, was I really happy? Like, I'm, a, like, I think a lot of people realized they weren't happy. And not because maybe their job was horrible, bad culture, but it just wasn't something they wanted to do. They maybe were doing it for someone else or just because it paid well, but it didn't spark any passion for them, whatever it may be. So again, there is a lot of that, but how do you balance as an employer, like the give take relationship where it's like, okay, hopefully I give enough and I invest enough into my staff. How am I going to make sure that I see that return through the business, you know, through reviews, through repeat guests, through loyalty, through revenue? Um, is, is there a way to even track that type of give and take measurement? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think part of this is understanding that the mantle of leadership, like, it's not, it's not easy. And sometimes it's not fun. And there, it feels like there's a lot of giving. Um, it is my job every day to wake up and give to my team, clear the path for them, um, set them up for success, invest in them, look for ways to make sure that I'm helping them get to, to where they want to be. That's part of the, the job of being a leader of the organization. And I think the more that we are able to uh, attach the passion, um, of our organization and we hire individuals that are aligned with what our passions are and we're speaking the same language and the things that are important to me as the leader or the things that are important to them, all those things start to spark stuff inside them that goes well beyond just the function job that they're doing on a day in and day out basis. They're, they're working for something that's a bigger purpose. And I think that's important in establishing that foundation and that culture that we were just talking about. When you go back and look at brands like Starbucks, 
you know, Starbucks was set it on in the early days. They were the people that worked there. They weren't working at a coffee company. They were working at it. They were working at a company that was going to change the world. And they were doing it for more than just the day-to-day job. They felt like they were a part of something bigger than just coming in and doing their the, the job that most people say that's what you're paid to do. And I think you see how Starbucks has has completely blown up, obviously, over the years and become this massive global brand. And I think that a huge part of that was based on the culture that they established at their core that gave purpose for those individuals that were there that had nothing to do with necessarily the function of their job that they were doing each day. And I know for us at our at Ellis Adams Group, we work very hard to make sure that on the, during the hiring process, it's more than just are you great at what we at that day to day that we might need something done. I need to know what your long term goals are. Where do you want to be? What are you super passionate about? What are your hobbies? What are those things to make sure that we have alignment in everything that we're doing, so you feel like you're part of something so much bigger than just the function of your job. And that's extremely important for us. Um, and I think it, it helps It helps give um, a bigger purpose to your team. And I think your their happiness level um, with their jobs continues to increase. And so there, there's a lot of benefit to that. Can we attach that to an actual ROI? Yeah, I mean, there's companies out there that, that find ways to, to do this. And there's actually some uh, crazy enough, there's some apps that are in play now um, that look at kind of mental health in your team and how much you're investing in them and what's the ROI look like and how many missed days of work do they have compared to prior and things like that. So there's stuff out there to track it. Um, but I think if that becomes a focus for you and it's tough because I think, especially in our industry, we live in the whirlwind, man. We live in 100%. The, just, I mean, you're just trying to get through today. You know, you're constantly in the weeds. And so it's difficult many times to think beyond that and say, forget today. Am I investing in my own company to make sure that I'm thinking about tomorrow, next week, next year, the next five years? And the, the more that you're able to transition and do that, the more your team benefits from it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I kind of said it better myself. Um, and before I, I really want to like touch on this one point that you brought up in your Forbes article, but I think um, before we get to all the good, good stuff of the conversation uh, right out the gate, I do have a question uh, in regards to, to markets. Um, was there any market particularly that kind of shocked you when it came down to performance with, you, you know, occupancy revenue um, and even an increase of staffing, like where was there a property that's just like, oh my gosh, you're kind of like the golden child, or maybe a, a just an area that you weren't expecting that kind of stood out over the last, let's say, uh, what it's been six to eight, maybe twelve months. No, it's not been a year, but it's been six to eight months since we recorded together last time. So, um, has there been anything that kind of shocked you since then? Uh, it's still exciting to see the crazy enough the luxury segment continues to flourish. I mean, if you look at um, all the trends, the luxury market has continued to, to do very well in the midst of this chaos. Um, as you look into the summer months, and I, I think Tony Capuano actually just was interviewed this in the past week about this, and his exact words were they're they expecting a huge boom this summer um, in that luxury segment. And I think it, it goes against everything we would think should be the case um, with you know, the pandemic and places closing and, and 
no jobs and, and all these things, yet people are going to spend even more money than they were spending before in the luxury segment. And so that's a, I don't think that's something that we would have predicted early on, um, but it is definitely something that has held true um, throughout this, the course of this and is continuing um, to show signs of, of continued growth as, as we go through it. So that's, um, that's exciting, especially in the world that we live in for what <laughs> yeah. we do. I mean, I love hearing that for sure. Yeah, especially on your guys' uh, group of projects and portfolios, I'm, I'm sure that, um, especially because like luxury is such a big risk because in order to provide luxury and you know, different types of service and, and uh, amenity types and all that stuff, um, it costs a lot more money as an operator uh, or, or as an owner. And so, you know, do you make or do you make that new, that investment and take that risk? Most people I would say, say yes um but executing on it then seeing that continue like you're gonna you're gonna spend more money on your stuff but you're also gonna have higher paying guests uh that will bring in more revenue anyway so it's kind of a give and take risk i think yeah i mean let's be honest if you really want to talk about you know which segment which brands actually put more money to the bottom line luxury definitely is not uh the route you want to go if you're doing this strictly from an investment standpoint of i want to you know i want to make money i want to great have a great return luxury is probably not the direction you want to go um, <laughs> <laughs> with your portfolio um but when you're talking about hospitality at its core uh, especially in sort of you know my group specifically um it's uh, we eat and breathe it. Um, we live it every single day. And again, I think I've said this to you before, and I hope everyone understands. When we talk about luxury. Don't look at, don't think of that from a, from a cost standpoint. You know, don't think of, oh, Chris just continues talking about luxury. He's bougie. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what I'm referring to in any way, shape, or form. When I talk about luxury, I'm talking about your ability to create those personalized moments and experiences for those you come in contact with. I don't care if you're at a Ritz Carlton, a St. Regis, um, if, if you're at a Moxie, a Courtyard, it, it does not matter. You can have a luxury experience at, in any place. You can have a luxury experience going into Walmart. Um, it's about your ability to create that moment for someone else. And so, um, you know, yes, the brands that we, we primarily work with in that space um, are very specific. But for us as a team, we're very clear that we won't only work with, you know, high-end brands that cost a lot of money. We're looking to work with brands that are that are trying to to have those exceptional moments for people that they come in contact with. And that's what we believe luxury truly is. 100%. Yeah, I remember when you said that. And it's also, um, it just reminds me, because I, I, I follow you actively on Instagram and, and all the other, you know, platforms. And it's just really cool to see, because, like, it's not just, uh, Chris is bougie or whatever, but it's like, it's a lifestyle. I see you with your team and you guys are, you're testing the products. You're, you're coming up with concepts. I, I just saw the other day, you guys are, you know, in a studio doing video, creating these, these, you know, new pieces of content. And so it's, it's really cool to just see that it's, it's not just a, Oh, you know, luxury, this luxury, that it's, it's really just living it right. And in a, in a good it way. Is, man. It is. It's a, I mean, it's, it's day in and day out and, you know, don't be wrong. I think just like everyone else, social media does a very good job of painting a picture 
Um, so people are like, dude, your life. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not exactly how Instagram uh, <laughs> shows it. Right. I mean, I think still, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the West coast, you know, is where I'm based yet. You know, I'm on conference calls that start at 7, 8 a.m. on the East coast. And that's a normal day for me. Um, and, and so I, I don't think people realize the amount of work that goes into to create um, and to create the culture um, that we're talking about. But by putting in the hard work of doing those things, it gives us the opportunity to do things that maybe other brands don't get to do. And we get to see things that other, uh, other brands may not get to see or experience things that other people don't get to experience. But that's not by luck. Um, that's not by just getting a good job. That's by really putting in the work um, and staying true and consistent um, in what we do, what we say, how we do it, what we deliver to our client, standing behind what we say um, to get to this to get to this point. And it's, it's, we're very fortunate to continue to um, we've continued to grow. I mean, since we talked last time, I think we've got. Mm -hmm. Uh, at least two more people that have been hired on our team in, in the past few months um, and yeah, more coming on. So, I mean, we're fortunate that we continue, we're continuing to grow uh, within the markets that we have. Yeah. And it's cool because uh, I think what's that famous saying, uh, the harder, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right. Yeah. I think like that's a pretty common uh, term and you're a hundred percent right. Um, that, you know, it is not, what social media makes it look like. Um, so I, I love that kind of preference because a lot of people, even for us, like on the media side, right? Like we're, our job is to create content and have these conversations and, and to make it sound, look, feel pretty. Um, but as I'm like recording this, even like I'm in my half make studio slash bedroom. So, uh, you know, it's not the most prettiest thing. It's a, it's a constant, you know, up at whatever time of the day to, to get prepped and prepared and to set everything up and do all this other stuff. It's, it's yeah. Like you said, hard work, dedication. Um, and the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, but I do want to read a quote from you, from your article that was in the Forbes um, based off of the conversation of the, the industry needing to pivot. And we'll kind of go into some conversation from here. Um, but the quote is, I think the time is now to disrupt. The time is now for, the time is now to force change. Maybe it's new investors. Maybe it's a different way of driving the bottom line, but change must happen and it must happen. Now the hospitality industry must take on its biggest challenge yet revolutionizing how businesses, how business is done in centuries old in a centuries old industry. Sorry for butchering that reading. I'm not the best reader. Um, but the, the, the question right under that, that statement or that quote, is how does a worldwide industry pivot? And I love the word pivot because uh, recently I've been getting into friends a lot uh, again. And so I think of that <laughs> Ross episode. Uh, they're telling you the, know, the sofa pivot. going up the uh, fire escape. <laughs> yes, the best one. Um, but how does a worldwide industry pivot? And I think that question, for some reason, I don't know why the way you worded it there kind of struck a chord with me because. Like I talk about the industry all the time and I have like friends and family and, and people in the industry that we kind of, we always say the industry, but for some reason adding the worldwide industry. So this isn't like some local operation that's just going to pivot and the whole world's going to change. Um, it is, it's a huge effort in order of in coordination to get everyone on the same page. And 
Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people, even after COVID, even after almost losing or actually losing their business, um, have still had that mindset of, well, this is how we've been doing it for 20 years. Why would we change? This is how it always is. We let the OTAs be 80% of our revenue or whatever it may be. Like there's certain statements, comments that go in that line. So I guess, uh, and I have some points from that article that you mentioned, but for you, how does a worldwide industry pivot? It's a million dollar question, man. Um, <laughs> I, I think anybody that knows the exact answer to this can make a ton of money right now. Um, it, yeah, it's Seriously. going to, it's going to take time for one. This is not something, and it's tough because, you know, we live in a world right now and social media has really put this on us that we live in, a, in an instant society. Like every, everything we, we pull out our phones and with the push of a button, we get instant information. And that's only pushed us <clears throat> as a as a culture to have very little patience for anything. So when you're when you're looking for change, when you're wanting something to be different, the expectation is I could click something on my phone and it just happens, right? Because that's the world we currently live in. And in a situation like this, that is not the case. We're not gonna have something that just oh my God, this is the answer and everyone does it. And now boom, there's our new industry. This is the way we do it now. This is going to be little things that are going to continue to happen over time until you gradually see it. Um, you know, it could be years where we look back and go, holy crap, do you remember when we used to do X and now we do it so different, but it might not be one of those things where it's this aha moment and the whole industry changes on a dime. I believe this is going to be small things that are going to continue to happen that you'll, you'll have small changes that over time will reap big results. And that is very difficult because it's hard to measure it. It's hard for us to see it. And it's hard to tell that story and narrative to those that you're hoping want to get into this industry, right? It, it's, it's difficult when new people come to the hotel and say, yeah, I hear you need people. I'm interested in talking to you. What are you doing different now than what it was when I used to work in the industry that I just don't want to come back to that? And I don't know that anyone has a great answer to give them right now. In fact, they're probably going to give them an answer that's even worse than, than it was before. They're, Actually, I'm going to need you yeah. to work harder than you did before. Um, I'm not going to pay you any more money and all those things, right? So it, it's not an easy conversation, but I think the reality is you're going to continue to see – and it, you're going to – here probably some of the smaller organizations that are it's easier for them to in your famous word pivot a little easier or quicker um than some of the the big companies out there to try some stuff that others aren't willing to try throw things against the wall because there's a little bit less risk for them maybe um and if those things start to work you might see a trickle effect start to happen you know for whatever that one thing is that they were able to adjust i don't know that we're going to see some massive oh my god there's the answer everybody do it we're better now um i think it's going to be very little things that add up over time to where you and i a decade from now are having a conversation going holy crap man look what happened look, look how far we've come i didn't even realize the differences that were being made. I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a slow process, um, even though things will be happening to affect change. I don't know. I, I hope that makes sense. Totally. Well, and I just kind of, I've been, I think you and I had the same 
kind of conversation uh, the first time, but going into like Gary Vee or like these bigger entrepreneurs, right? Like the reason why I, I find this very fascinating is that like people will come up with a concept or they'll come up with like a marketing campaign and be like, why is it not? Why, 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 why are we not seeing the numbers behind um, that we thought we would see? And then, you know, who knows, you know, let's say they, most people give up that, that type of campaign or that type of marketing or whatever the, the message is and they move on and they try to keep going through that cycle of, all right, messaging, posting, announcement, whatever, and then no reaction. Okay. The next thing and repeat and repeat and repeat. And really it could take that same message, but just a hundred touch points for it to actually connect and click. And who knows how long those hundred touch points are. So to kind of go into what you're saying is like, I love that you you said, you know, a decade from now, because a decade from now, I would love to pull up this conversation again, revisit it and redo another episode with you uh, to go into those changes. Because I, I think it just takes, like you said, it takes time. It takes, you know, kind of like being a dead horse where you just like, you just got to keep pushing that message through. Um, I know for like companies like Muse, because I'm a big tech guy. So I love technology in the space. Um, I think we're far from, perfect when it comes to tech but i think we're oh, i'm yes. we're years behind the <laughs> other industries in tech yes but i do think we're in the right direction i think if we get more people maybe outside of the industry um, that learn the operations and figure out how can we enhance it um, and i and i want to mention muse because like for me as a property management software and uh, if anyone listening to this is from oracle i'm sorry but opera is the worst <laughs> like it's the most outdated software i've ever seen and you know i'm only 27 so i barely got to experience you know dial up and all this other stuff but that's what it felt like and um you know companies like muse are able to take something so different and make it into hey instead of selling a room or a bed you're selling a space right so let's not only just sell space so it could be a co-working spot you could rearrange your whole lobby it could be a hostel you could do whatever um but then also tracking as like a CRM, like, okay, uh, why, no longer are the days of having to remember the guest because the front desk person re- remembers the guest, um, but your profile is able to travel with you um, as a traveler. I think that for me is like, why has nobody done that um, uh, previously? But long story well, they short. Do have, <clears throat> they do have okay. some of those systems out there. Um, you know, I, I think the bigger issue is, are they, are they used to their fullest extent. You know, I, I look at back in the day with Rich Carlton, we had a system that was, a it, was, it collected preferences on guests and it was attached to your profile. So any Rich Carlton in the world that you checked into, all of that information traveled with you like you're talking about. And there's a similar system now that Marriott has in place. And I think, but it, it's kind of the old adage, what is it? Good info in, good info out. The only yeah. way it really works is if we're actually putting it into motion. Do we have strategies and systems in place with our, our team on the ground that make it easy for them to say, oh, my God, I just took care of Will in the restaurant and he's adamant of the way he likes, you know, his his coffee. And now, like, it's kind of weird, but he has to have it this way every single morning. That's a cool preference to put in. But if they don't have access to it or they're not comfortable with getting that information to someone, then this system that we have, that's a global system that can travel with you really serves no purpose. So I think there's probably a little bit of a disconnect of how are we doing, you know, there's a disconnect across the board, but we talk about, we have great processes in place for our people. Um, This is one of those things where we probably don't have a great process in place. We haven't created behavioral patterns around it. 
And as a result, we don't reap the benefits of a system that's there to help us that we just don't take advantage of. 100%. That's a really good point. Um, I didn't look at it that way from the initial thoughts of this uh, conversation, but I know that's really good. Um, kind of you know, it's funny. Clarity. The other thing, yeah, the other thing that as you were talking and you were talking about, you know, with Gary V specifically, right? And Gary's, he's a big proponent on if you, um, you need to post constantly. If it doesn't work, keep doing it. Um, it's not going to happen overnight kind of a thing, right? And I think that's that's such a great message because, like I said, we live in a world where we need instant gratification. I need instantly. I mean, I, I have no kids out there that if they post and they don't get X number of likes within a certain amount of time, they pull the post yeah. down, right? They, because they need instant gratification. And when I look at when I look at being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, I think one of the biggest reasons why people fail is because they don't get instant gratification. You know, most people go into this with some big idea thinking I'm going to start a company and I'm going to be a billionaire in two weeks because everyone's going to want my idea. And then six months later, you're half broke. You've mortgaged your house and you're like, okay, it's not working. Screw it. I'm out. And that's why most people don't last as an entrepreneur or a business owner is because they're not willing to suck it up and take it on the chin and fight and fail and move forward and push and keep going and all those things that it's necessary in building a brand because I didn't get instant gratification. I didn't get an instant success. Um, I, I, I'm not the next Gary Vee, so I just can't do it. And and this, I think that's a huge issue that we have across the board. Um, even when we look at our, our owners and hotels, you know, they want to roll out a program, a marketing campaign, a, a promotion, an LTO, something. And if they don't see immediate results, we'll move on. Well, let's, let's change the breakfast experience, right? I don't, let's not do buffets anymore. Well, if it doesn't work in the first three weeks, all right, put the buffet back. Well, that's not really how you build a brand. And it's a, that's a slippery slope to go down and a, a struggle that a lot of our, our brains have. Yeah. Well, hundred percent. And, uh, not going to lie, like totally being open and honest here, but that is the biggest struggle that we face with advertising on podcasts or with any type of media. You know, when it comes to it's like, oh, we didn't get the click through that we wanted or, you know, we spent, you know, let's say $2,000, but when they got $300 worth of uh, purchases, nope, not worth it. And it's like, man, it doesn't work that way um, when it comes to the the type of advertising that this is. Uh, it, you know, it takes it's taken years for people to really like, you just have to be hitting them at the right time because who knows? Yeah. They may have heard your ad, you know, three years ago when it wasn't relevant to them, but if they keep hearing your ad and then all of a sudden it becomes relevant to them, they're more likely to continue to one, listen in, tune in, become a brand, you know, uh, I wouldn't say ambassador, but more knowing of the brand, right. More, more familiar. They'll discover you on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever it may be. And then they actually become an ambassador after using the product and be like, oh, this was relevant for me. It took me three years. But at the end of the day, that was three years of being able to be at the right place at the right time with the right person. So it kind of comes into that that whole standpoint. Like a lot of people, yeah, just expect instant results when, yeah, the numbers may be great on the analytics and saying the, the audience is this size and blah, blah, blah. But it has to be relevant and it has to be continually a drip effect of being relevant so that way when the right time does occur on that person's life whether they're listening to a podcast ad or they're on facebook and they have the right you know facebook ad pop up or have even tiktok now um, a lot of people are uh, going that route and it just takes the right time the right person and the, the right moment to make it relevant 
Yeah, I think one thing that I would, um, for anyone that's going to be listening to this, if you take this information and we trans take it out of marketing and say, well, if I'm going to go back to my property and I'm wanting to do something new, I have a great idea <clears throat> and I need to get buy-in from people. How do I do it? How do I get my my leader above me or the owner to, to not try and pull the plug after two weeks on something? And I think the biggest thing I would tell people is make sure that you have a way to track what you're doing, right? You, you've got to have some scoreboard that you're looking at that is able to show some type of ROI. And that ROI might take a while, but I think the more that you give people something to look at in data, and the call every week is how did last week go? And you're, you're just kind of, well, you know, I still have high hopes for it. I, I think it's just going to take a little longer. I think that we missed the mark by not just having something that is a, a with structure around it that says this is how we're going to track it. Here's how we're doing it. This is what we did. This is what our expectations are. And I think just having some type of scoreboard to be able to hand over to someone is many times what keeps them from believing in what we're doing because they don't know how committed we are to it if they don't have a scoreboard in front of them that says, well, do you even know how well you're doing? And I think that the one thing I would I would push on, on anyone that might be listening going back to want to launch something is make sure that you're not just launching your idea. Make sure you have a strategy, a plan, and structure around it that you're able to speak to it week in and week out. Um, that's not just you you know, putting pretty words around what's going on, but you have something tangible that you can hand over to the people. And that tangible thing might not be a bunch of numbers and results on the front end. It might take a while, but you've got some way that you're watching progress. And it might be flatlined in the beginning. Hell, it might go down a little bit in the beginning. But you've got some way that you're handing people to say, we've got a plan and I've got a way to track it. And there's, there's something that we can stare at each week together to watch how this is going to win in the long run. I love that. And just from, yeah, man, that's good. That's really good. Um, the, the thing that with that is don't also be afraid to learn more about the tracking tool or to learn what you can implement. That's better uh, to continually evolve the process. If you're not seeing stats, doesn't mean you have to switch to a new platform or to a new thing, but try different stuff and see what works and then see, like do some research. Uh, the big thing that we were doing, um, with you know Spotify buying all these these companies, megaphone to pod sites to you know all these other things is like okay, well, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't know existed out there. How can I look at you know something like this or a similar tool or a similar process um, that can help us? And that stuff you know it's fun because uh, Chris, I'm sure you can relate, but it takes you down a crazy crazy rabbit hole, and you're looking at yourself like three hours later, be like, oh my gosh. I didn't do anything I was supposed to do other than just go down this rabbit hole. Um, but it's good. It's good to learn that. It's good to practice and be aware because then the next meeting, yeah, you may not have a ton of results, but who knows? You'll be able to say, but I did learn that if we try this tool or if we implement this into our tracking, blah, 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 like then we can see better results in more detail, granular array. Um, you know, that that itself is also really important, I think, for um People just showing, yeah, like you said, Chris, the the dedication to the project, the idea, um, is all in that as well. It also gives you great information that lets you evolve what your initial plan 
was to what it might need to be. Right. I, I think you look at any company, I look at my brand now versus what I thought it was going to be 20 years ago. I mean, it's, it continues to evolve and change. And that's because we, we use great data. We listen to our clients. We see where trends are going. We just try to stay ahead of the curve and everything. So we have to make sure that what our plan was, that's the foundation. And I think the core of who my company is and my pillars of who my company is that were established many years ago are still there and they're, they're not, they're not going to change. That's who we are at our core. But I think sometimes the path that we're on, sometimes the mission that we put ourselves onto are going to change and evolve based on what's going on and our ability to have the willingness to listen, learn, and do that and not say, stay so entrenched on that initial, well, this is what it has to be. Use data, use that information that you're now tracking to say, hey, you know what? I'm seeing a trend here. We're going to we're now going to pivot slightly. We're, we're going to, instead of taking a hard right, we're actually going to take, you know, just a slight right. And you're going to, you're going to be able to tweak what your ultimate vision is to get the most out of it. And that can only happen if you have great data and information that, that are at your fingertips to help you make those decisions. I love that. I literally couldn't have said it better myself, Chris, seriously. Um, and uh, not to quote Gary V again, but you you know, don't be afraid to make changes. Don't be afraid to change just because you said you're going to do something. Um, doesn't mean you have to stick to it. If you know, and you see it, it's not working. Like you can, you can make those changes in order to adapt. It doesn't have to be a hard, right? Like you said, but it can always be a nice soft. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I think Gary's, Gary's a smart guy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he's, he's done a few things, right. Yeah, anything, anytime I can quote him, I usually do. It's like, all right, it's a, it's a good person to have as a reference. But um, awesome. Well, Chris, thanks for joining me on the Spotify Live. Um, I, I've really enjoyed the conversation, and I, I know there's a couple points that maybe we didn't get to dive into. But um, just for anyone listening uh, on the live or, or on the replay, um, good good place to go to learn more about you, learn more about the uh, Alice Adams Group. Um, obviously I'll make sure that we plug everything in, but just want to make sure that you get that, the opportunity for, um, for your time to shine. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, you can obviously go to www.ellisadamsinc.com. Follow me on Instagram at Chris Adams underscore EAG or Ellis Adams official. Um, love to have engagement. Please reach out to us. Anything we can do to assist anyone, you know, we always want to be available um, and do whatever we can to, to help and impact people's lives. So follow us along on the, on the journey. I love it. And then uh, just for fun, I don't know if the name rings uh, a bell for you, but on Instagram, I got a message from Travis Reiner, who was a former <laughs> uh, uh, head of uh, Homes and Villas at Marriott. It says, Chris and I have known each other since we've worked together at the Ritz-Carlton Buckhead back in 2007. He was associate director of meetings and events, and I was a front desk agent. That's pretty cool. Not it's a lie. long time ago. He's he's good people, man. He's yeah. he's uh he's done some really good things over the years. I think he's got another promotion. The guy's great. Yeah, no, seriously, super cool guy. Um, he was on the show when he was with Homes of Villas, um, but now he is uh, director of ops uh, in his favorite market, which I believe is like kind of D.C., Maryland, Baltimore. Yeah, he's northeast. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for the time, and I will keep in touch with you soon, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Have a great day.
Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to our show partners for making Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, possible. We hope you enjoy the show, and we would love to connect with you outside of the podcast. So you can follow us on all of our social media channels for daily hospitality content, or find us on slicktalkthepodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Will Slickers, and we will see you guys all again next week. 